It's Wednesday, August 4th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, Tyler? So good. Did yeah, I sell man. it? <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> it's the end of the day because this one we eat breakfast now, but I'm good. What? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> kind of trailed off. So there. lost. It was I'm an so afternoon lost. joke. No, uh, they life, know, life the listeners don't know busy, when we record this. It's no, seven forty-five now because I said morning. it. No, we wouldn't release it this late in the day. If that were the case, that would be irresponsible. We've never done it before, even when we recorded early, early, early. Also, no, I'm right. just joking. Nobody knows. Russ Cantwell is um, also on the show occasionally, <laughs> but hasn't been for a few weeks, and I don't know. He's got a pretty good excuse. He does. Our excuses oh, are usually bad. His excuse is pretty good. Pretty pretty solid. Today. <laughs> today in tech history. You ready? Bring it. NASA launches Phoenix August 4th. NASA launches the Mars Phoenix Lander. Phoenix oh. will become the first spacecraft to land on the Martian Arctic surface. Duh. Its mission was to dig for ice and assess if the Martian Arctic ever had conditions that could have supported life. When did it launch? What year? 1998. I don't know. 2007. I'm proud of you for going as far back as you did, though. I'm almost... I I was trying to remember where I was when that kind of stuff was happening. Clearly, I was off. Was there any other Mars lander before that? I'm guessing Uh, not. I think there might have been. Mars number one. November 4th, 1962, launched by the mm-hmm. Soviet Union. Uh, it no, did not have a landing site. It yeah, failed. Right. <laughs> um, Mars That's 2 did one. have a landing site, 1971, um, but it did, but it failed. Mars 3, 1971, landing site, partial success. Mars 6, failed. Mars 7, failed. Uh, the Viking 1 is the first one on the list that is listed as a success. Launched by the United States of America. You may have heard of them. Uh, mm-hmm. and launch date was 1975, the Viking One. But was that a, was it a, a, a lander, like a rover? I'm thinking of the rover. Was that Phoenix? Yeah, these is, this is a list of successful and unsuccessful Mars landers. I don't know that it had What's a the difference rover, between though. a lander a land. and a rover? Well, a lander will just land and yes, then look but, around. But is, did it, you get to will... call it a lander if it was meant to be a rover and it just landed? Probably, I would. I, I would. If it was a rover it. and it just landed, yeah, I'd call it a well, lander. Clearly, I was wrong, but at least I wasn't off by uh, a century like last time. <laughs> well, there you have it. That was today in tech history. Talk to me about today. Talk to me today, about today. Today, today. Did you? Uh, let's see. There were two bits of news that I wanted to hear your reaction to. The first of which is: Have you seen Hood today? Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that that Did, it what's took space- off went full meme it's up like a hundred percent or you know at least in that territory just absolute crazy tear on the robin yeah. stock uh well over its ipo price now uh pretty funny on the yeah right after uh vladimir dropped uh 40 he sold 45 million dollars <laughs> worth of shares uh yeah. i wonder i wonder if that was the internet insulting him directly yeah, i doubt probably because i think he's probably. probably just fine with with the result here yeah but, um, but i thought it was like pretty 34. interesting I, it's like it, we were saying. It's that, hit 85. Uh, yeah. And I think what that highlights too is that the retail reaction to something like that just doesn't matter. Like you can you can hate Robinhood all you want, but they're obviously printing money 
and people see value in that. And when I say people, I mean probably you know institutional investments and speculative investors, even value investors, probably looking at that and saying they're they're making money and they're going to continue to make money. Heck, even um, you know as a user, right? Like I I was all bristly over what happened with the meme stocks, and it obviously it got some scorn for it. But at the end of the day, like their mobile interface is still clean and simple, and arguably yeah. it is one of the best. And as a well, result. Despite all of the things that are wrong with it, it's drawing exactly the group of people that they want it to draw. I can't stand the interface though because it does not label its axis. <laughs> you just click the you click like the time horizon at the bottom, or you click live, and then it just shows a line data. moving across to the right. But you have no idea yep. the vertical axis isn't labeled. You have it's no true. idea. Yep. You have no I idea. All you too. know is up or down. But it's, it's so pretty. It's so pretty. Yeah, but it's we so care about dumb. pretty. Yep. And there's like this little digital road from like Tron or something scaling below it that just makes you feel like you're blasting into the future. It's not not for me, man. Sorry. I want my static like trading views. Trading views is the site I've started to use. Uh, trading view or trading view, not views. Tradingview.com. There you go. Go to tradingview.com. Uh type it in, type in whatever ticker you want, and uh you get a lot of cool little tools there. It's very cool. Now they're going to try to get you to, you know, sign up and pay for the service and all that kind of stuff. But it's free; you don't have to pay. Very my cool. two cents. I, yep, I'll have to check it out. Not familiar with that one. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. It's pretty crazy. I think it it just I don't know. It highlights a lot of things. Like I said, retail doesn't matter. I mean, it does. Retail does matter, but obviously, sentiment was not. Yeah, as what bad do you as mean by that? Like, what do you mean by retail well, doesn't matter? When I say retail doesn't matter, I'm saying that the impact that retail investors have on the price of an asset with exceptions, obviously stuff like GameStop got pretty special, but I, I don't think even, even in the case of a GameStop or an AMC, it's probably not retail investment dollars that are propping it up and making, you know, things like short events interesting. It's, are you sure? It, it may start it, yeah. but I think it gets propped up by institutional money. It's other hedge funds that are playing a very different shark game. That's my yeah. opinion. Well, um, and simultaneously, GME and AMC have gone down since the Robinhood launch. Is money flowing out of GME and AMC to Hood? It'd be interesting if it were, but it, but for all kinds of reasons. One, why ditch GMC, AMC, uh, GME, AMC for Hood? Because Hood doesn't represent the same kind of even meme-like asset. Are you saying those meme traders make sense? No, no, no. Well, yes, a kind <laughs> of. At least GME and AMC have some commonality to them, sure, right? Sure, sure. Like, like there's there's goofiness for sure, but they aren't they aren't without their uh, likenesses. Hood Hood is just a brokerage stock, right? Yeah. It's it's one that's been in the news maybe a little more than the other ones, not in a good way most of the time. But it's not the same kind of darling, right? Like yeah. the money flowing into something like Hood is is more of a bet that it's going to do well. Money flowing into GME is let's see if we can catch someone with their pants down. Yeah, it's very different motions. But I'm who am I to say that that any of it makes sense or that it wouldn't make sense to go from one to the other? Like I'm I'm not I'm not an expert. I just Fair. look at that and I think if I'm betting on GME, I'm not also thinking Hood fits in that portfolio. Yeah. Have you seen the um, the uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill that's got all the crypto stuff in it? Uh, I have not. I saw some rumblings about it. Did you get some yeah. detail? Yeah. Well, the thing that seems the most crazy to me is that they are trying to regulate miners 
in um, in crypto, there's this concept of uh, KYC slash AML. If you haven't heard of uh-huh. that, it's know your customer anti money laundering. Right. And what they banks were, banks have yeah. these requirements. And what they were trying to do is regulate people that are operating mining pools Ooh. as if they were a broker. Oh, right? well, they're responsible for knowing their customer. They're responsible for knowing. Uh, and, 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 and that gets really messy, especially when you look crazy, at the full yeah. field of crypto in general too, because what, what counts, what constitutes a miner? And I say that like, is it, is it in quotes? Is it meant to be sort of wide open in, in a Bitcoin centric viewpoint, a miner is really, really consistent and really straightforward. In fact, I would say in probably most proof of work cryptocurrency blockchains, you're going to, it's really obvious what a miner is, but take something like a proof of stake where you have staked coins and then the compute that's being done to validate transactions is is carrying out differently. Or you look at some cryptocurrencies where if you park your uh, your currency in a hardware wallet or a software wallet, for instance, you can actually elect a representative. And that representative has some statistics associated with whether or not it's goodness, that sort of stuff. It, reliability goes into those numbers, right? Are, yeah. are they saying that somebody that's operating like a non-traditional, non-proof-of-work validation known in some cryptocurrencies are responsible for anyone that has elected them to be their, quote, representative in the hash rate? Because so of it says holy anything, crap, that would break. Yeah, none of it says anything specific, and that's the concern. Yeah, it's, it's, it's intentionally very, generic. Yes, it's very, that's very a mess. generic. And the problem is that they're they're trying to lay down some laws, and they're sneaking it into this infrastructure bill uh, in a way that it would... Welcome to the United States, by the way. Right. It would essentially rep, uh, wreck uh, cryptocurrency, right? So it would, all that you, and, and I completely, this- I don't care which one I was just referring to uh, stylistically or, or mathematically, how they're protecting their, their blockchain. That, that is a catastrophic ask because yeah. these, these pools of miners and stuff like that, they, they aren't institutions all the time. Sometimes. Sure. You know, you've got big money that has definitely gotten into this sort of stuff, but generally speaking, you know, they're just as likely to be a, a random group of friends in a in a random part of the world. Yeah. Um, those requirements are, I mean, catastrophic barriers to entry for any non-institutional player, which right. completely defeats the purpose of DeFi, yeah. period. Yeah, yeah. And I've gone through the process of seeing what it's like to mine. And for me to contribute mining power to this mining pool it just blows my mind to think that the laws that they're trying to pass would apply to that particular situation yeah, in terms of, right. it, it's just, it's unbelievable. So anyway, um, but if that's, you, if you follow anybody news. like Michael Saylor or Charles Hoskinson or Kathy Woods or so on and so sure. forth, any of these people you, you've probably seen over the past like 48 mm-hmm. hours, everyone's like contact your representative, you know, let them know what's going on. And I mean, I, I'm looking at an email right now from Kraken. It says, hey, the U.S. Senate is beginning its final deliberations on a must-pass by... And it goes on and it says, hey, this is going to uh, wreck the entire crypto ecosystem. You have to call your senator. Here's the phone number. You got to say this. Uh, here's the infrastructure bill. You Number you got to reference, all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's like a this is not a drill. Uh, crazy kind of reaction. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, man. No, that, that's, that's actually really sad, I think. Um, it, yeah. that, it, those ramifications will be far and wide. 
will not be pretty, nor will it be easy to enforce, which is a yeah. mess. But it's a move in the wrong direction if you want to see this thrive or even just give it time to turn into something, right? Yeah. Because KYC alone is a mess for something like a mining pool. Right. And you're basically saying that the only people then that can mine are the ones that can mine alone. Mm-hmm. And even then, the reporting requirements are probably going to be confusing to a lot of those people. I, I can only imagine the intent of that sort of bureaucratic red tape for an individual in a situation like that is meant explicitly to dampen yeah. adoption. Yeah. Well, and while we're talking about crypto too, um, today's actually the day I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that um, the Ethereum improvement proposal EIP fifteen fifty nine. Yeah, the London hard fork uh, went live today, uh, yeah, or did. is in the process of going live because nothing is a light switch. Time. Yeah, right. nothing is a light switch in these things, right? Everyone's got it. With it being a decentralized thing, everyone has to update all their nodes. Everyone's got to update all their stuff, right? And it's not all going to happen at the exact same time. No, uh, and a- this is, a, I mean, this is a huge fork. It's a, this is a very, very big yeah. deal. It's interesting too, because one of the ramifications of this fork could be the creation of a new token. It's not guaranteed, but it can happen. And mm. this is how we got Etsy in the first place, yeah. ETC, Ethereum Classic, right? The You think a new the, token will come out of this? It can. It's not that it will. It's that yeah, anytime you that, have that a hard fork on a blockchain, like sure, this, sure. you can create a new token. Yeah. Like you're saying, I don't think that's going to happen here. It, it seems like the overwhelming percentage of people... Uh, it would support be, it. it. would Yeah, support it. It would be weird if, if one came out of this, right? Because essentially what they're doing is they're, they're changing the way that transaction fees operate, right? They have, in Ethereum, we've got this concept of gas fees, and uh, they're paid to the miners. The interesting thing here is that they're trying to make Ethereum a deflationary asset because after that fork that you were just talking about that created, well, really Ethereum Classic was the original, and then you had a fork that created Ethereum, and now Ethereum is changing this. But anyway, mm-hmm. that when, it, when, they, when the fork happened that created Ethereum, they no longer had a concept of a cap a coin cap limit, right? Right. And so the thing that it looks like they're trying to do things that will cre- create this environment of it being a deflationary asset. So when gas fees are paid, rather than them getting paid to miners, this is what's going to be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. They now get burned. So every time you pay 90 bucks to transfer, you know, $4,000 or whatever it is, whatever that, that gas fee ratio is, that 90 bucks won't go to be to the miners to pay the miners, it just gets burned. Those Ethereum disappear. Right. And so yeah, well, and that's important, and right? Things. Like, like yeah. it, it's confusing, but just for listeners' sake, when when we say ninety dollars, it's not ninety dollars. One one Ethereum is always right. worth one Ethereum. You're burning <laughs> right, yeah. some percentage of percentage Ethereum. of Ethereum. And and that's what's that's what's so critical to this is is that if you are burning Ether, if you're if it's dissolving because of the transaction fee then literally the supply is being reduced in real time. So yeah. it, 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 it's very important to understand that you're not, you're not taking cash from your savings account and throwing it into a black hole. You converted it to Ether and then that Correct. Ether gets destroyed. And so that block, that, that, that chunk, that coin, that token or percentage of is forever yeah. lost to the chain. Yeah. It's so. like if you did a wire, I mean, you translate it to something else. Like if you did a wire transfer and it costs you 20 bucks, Nobody gets that twenty bucks that you paid, right? But it's important to recognize it's going to be in Ethereum instead of in dollars. It's it's just important to realize. Like here, I'll, I'll pose the example and why I provided the clarification in case some sure. people were like, "But why did you clarify that?" Right? If if you were 
if you were transacting your Ethereum, if you're moving Ethereum from one wallet to another wallet and you paid those fees in Bitcoin, and then those Bitcoin were permanently destroyed as a function, the value of Bitcoin will naturally go up because it is already a deflationary asset in the sense that it has fixed supply Correct. and you are intentionally destroying it. The same would be true if you bought a Bitcoin and then lost it on purpose, right? You, you threw your keys away. It can never be accessed again. There's mm -hmm. no way to get around that. Ethereum in this proposal, while there's no limit to the number of coins that can be created, they will be destroying Ethereum constantly, which means the active supply of Ethereum could be balanced or it could actually go down uh, with, with that function. It's, it's interesting. It's really, it really interesting. I tweeted this out. I can't remember who the rapper was, but there was a rapper that was standing on a boat and it was kind of at this height of all the inflation um, conversations that were happening online. It's still happening, but mm -hmm. there was a whole bunch of news about it. And there's a photo of him throwing $100,000 into the ocean. And it was funny. There's lots of jokes about him helping um, to deflate the, the, the currency by, <laughs> throwing, by destroying money. So anyway, yep, but yep. that's not even to dive into the whole concept of, you know, M zero, M one, M two, sure. how money works like that. But okay, no, no. Anyways, cool. it, it this is interesting. It's a huge, uh, huge moment for Ethereum in general. This is, yeah. uh, I mean, a lot of people I think are going to be really happy about the idea that Ethereum as the second largest market cap token in the crypto universe right now is as part of this transitioning to a proof of stake as opposed to a proof of work uh, cryptocurrency. Like yeah. th those are big changes. You you hear the criticism. Like Tesla got a lot of flack and Musk got a lot of flack when Tesla adopted Bitcoin and people said Bitcoin is ugly for the environment because of the 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 necessity of having lots and lots of electricity to you know protect the network. That proof of work yeah. requires a heavy computation. Well, Ethereum today or yesterday functions the same way. So the same criticisms were being lobbied levied towards it. This is a huge change in how the the whole Ethereum ecosystem functions uh, in in ETH. So it will be really interesting to see what ramifications that has. The not the least of which is is Ethereum Classic going to continue its tear because people want a proof of work secured blockchain that has the same sort of uh, derivative functionality that Ethereum has has brought to the market, or will ETH crush it, or will they both live on indefinitely? I suppose yeah. this is the beginning of finding out. Yep. Great point. Um, so we should probably move off of this, but I'm curious what you think is going to happen and how it'll impact miners in the Ethereum world, right? Because EIP 1559 is one thing where they start burning mm -hmm. gas fees. But then when you stack on the fact that by the end of this year or early next year, they're going to move to proof of stake, what happens to the miners in Ethereum? Yeah, I, I think in the meantime... The, the rewards, the mining rewards are going to be sufficient enough, especially with the value of Ethereum, that you're going to have miners sticking around for it. And then by the time the transition to proof of stake is fully you know, established, it doesn't matter. Because look, look at the sheer you... value of yeah. staked currency already. If you look at the number, the millions of dollars, the number of Ethereum that are staked as in preparation of being validators for proof-of-stake Ethereum transactioning, mm -hmm. miners don't matter, right? So either they're part of that staked asset class and they're, they're rigged. Well, so miners don't matter, whatever. so they, they leave. Like they, they take their equipment Maybe. and they go elsewhere or they sell the equipment because it won't Maybe. need... The whole right, point is it doesn't need the compute. 
So, so yeah. they're going to move to Bitcoin and they'll, they'll run their power plants to transact Bitcoin and protect Bitcoin's network. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying that they can. I'm not saying it's that simple either, but, right. but well, that's what will happen. Different they will, yeah. Right. That's, that's why it was a bad example. Different they will go to something that has, what is it, ECR20, right? So the, the Ethereum yeah. hash, they will have to find another coin that they can actually throw compute and GPU capabilities at to, to get money out of it. But but the the network itself doesn't need miners, so I guess yeah. the argument is it doesn't matter. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It'll be interesting though to see how some of that will increase the hash rate of some other random things wherever they end up going. I don't know as they scatter. Whatever. Sure. We well, maybe it'll result in another BSV like event. BSV yeah. just had a 51 percent attack, and small coins that are ECR 20 now. And that Ethereum miners can go at because there are some whales, absolutely, that are going to have some major, major compute power hash rate that is worthless come transition. If they go attack small coins, they could easily overwhelm it and you, you end up with double spend opportunities, which is pretty catastrophic from a security perspective for uh, proof of work coins that aren't uh, distributed enough, right? Yeah. So it, it could be ugly, but it won't right. be ugly for Ethereum. Let's uh, let me jump to a topic that we talked about on Monday. You remember when we talked about Windows 365? I do. We talked about all that Vaguely. kind of fun stuff. Oh so yeah, they uh, like uh, going after PC. home users and whether. Well, whether I don't know that it was necessarily PC. after home users, but I it guess was, that's fair. It was yeah, an assumption. <laughs> just just cloud PC uh, from sure. you know twenty bucks a month to one hundred and fifty eight bucks a month or whatever whatever the numbers were. But so that was that was Monday the second. Well, yesterday the third, uh, this gentleman Scott Manchester, who's the director of program management for Windows 365, uh, he tweets out: "We have seen unbelievable response to Windows 365 and need to pause our free trial program. So it's like 24 hours later, while we provision additional capacity. Sign up below to get notified when this trial resumes." That's awesome. It just cracked me up. Yeah, it just made me think of Disney. Whenever they launched Disney. And immediately the whole system crashed and no one could access anything. Yeah. As if like Disney didn't believe, you know, like they don't have proof of the, you know, billions and billions of VHS they sold and all the, you know, all the stuffed animals and, you know, princess dresses. And then the sheer volume of people that they get to Disney world and Disneyland and like that they didn't think they were going to get, you know, a significant number of users and they crashed immediately. Like, well, this and, and this was it was a free streaming also, option, right? Like, uh, yes. I, you got to wonder. Thank like, you. What, <laughs> I hope they have stats that that explain like what did people do with these machines? One, that's horrifying because wow, I didn't even consider that when we were talking about this, but it's it's their asset. So, what privacy do you have? You know, <laughs> I would, yeah. would argue a lot less than your well, laptop at home. Not that most people are very private with their laptops at home and the way they connect it to the network, but yeah. they probably have a really good idea of what people use those assets for. You know, whether it was running some business application or, or you know, I don't know, downloading some old MS Paint version and, and just doing goofy pictures. But um, I'm I'm curious if they have the stats that say these were mostly businesses or mostly work users, or if this was home users, or if it was. Crypto miners taking advantage of just a cloud asset and, and bots just spinning up thousands of instances yeah. just to mess with Microsoft. Like, yeah, we could get some fun news about this if they share it. Yes. Yeah. I, I had the exact same thoughts. And then our buddy, Mike Rhodes, who's been on the show, we probably need to have him back, man. That guy's hilarious. I love him. Uh, he's on the other side of the pond over in the UK. But uh, I posted this and he responded. He said, 
You'd have thought they could use some kind of hyperscale infrastructure to quickly provision <clears throat> additional resources to match demand. I wonder if Microsoft has anything like that. <laughs> it's not compatible. The business unit compatible with Azure. The, the, yeah, I just, I, that was the joke, but obviously, yeah, 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 yeah. I think the uh, I'll bet the business unit that offered this for free is uh, probably hurting a little bit based yeah. on that cloud infra. They just got their first Azure bill and said, "Nope." <laughs> Who offers free compute? <laughs> Free. I thought it was cheap. Free compute in the cloud. Unlimited. All right. Anyway. All right. Awesome. What you got, man? What else do you want to talk about? Oh, I saw an interesting one. It's um uh, and I had I had heard about these things, but I hadn't really seen too much about it. Uh, but apparently, um the, have you heard about the AI nudifying tools? What? No. So so there are as you'd expect, you know, from AI manipulation of, of images in general, there there are applications that are designed to nudify pictures. Okay. And uh, I think stuff like this started out as sort of a curious data science thing, and then devolved quickly to basement dwellers' dreams. And, and yeah, I don't awful, think it started as a curious data science thing. It sounds it, it like did. that's pretty much basement I, I i think it did <laughs> right, right? like like it, it <laughs> went pretty quickly in the wrong direction but one of the earliest uh i guess use cases for for this actually that i was surprised seemed valid in my brain was um de-obfuscating certain asian countries pornography and and i know we're going off on the deep end here a little bit but they they produce content in their country and by law they have to provide certain obfuscation right even even in regardless of where you're purchasing it. If it's legal, it's obfuscated. So some of the AI was designed to get rid of that and then make it available in other markets, right? So it, it's curious, curious use case. But I was like, oh, okay, maybe from a business perspective, if, if that's your thing, that kind of makes sense. Anyways, these apps very much not for those purposes. This is more like find picture on internet, make it naked. But it, it was interesting to me because MP Maria Miller, so I guess this is the UK, wants at least a debate on whether or not these digitally generated images need to be banned because it is a curious problem. It, hmm. it, it, it's kind of akin to the conversation we had about whether or not an artificial intelligence or the creator of the artificial sure. intelligence gets a patent. Right, and that's what um, didn't, didn't Curtis tweet out something like that the other he, day? He did. Apparently, a patent, a patent was awarded. Yeah, that that was cool. Which and I wild. haven't seen all the details yet, but that's that's curious because okay. it's uh, so come back setting to a this. Precedent. So the member well, of parliament well, the argument in the UK is, said, "We need we need to have a debate on whether or not digitally generated nude images should be banned." Right? Like this is a fuzzy line because if you took a random picture on the internet and then you use software to digitally create nakedness is it okay yeah and yeah how do you like yeah and, and if it was a picture I mean, of you no. do you have no, any say in it yeah exactly because well, it's not your nudity it's ai generated nudity it's just your head on it <laughs> yeah well, which i don't I mean, know if that's illegal or not actually I'm, I'm something around that with like wasn't there i thought there was some sort of rulings around like deep fake things that were along those lines as well yeah. So maybe there's some precedence there already. But I don't geez. know that it's illegal though. The, these these are particularly weird. particularly <laughs> messy. Yeah, it's 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 weird. And and I, I think you can I'm not going to dig into it, but you can pretty quickly see how that's bad. But but it's interesting because it it begs a lot of questions that don't have easy answers. Yeah. Even even if your gut is like, yeah, that's wrong. Don't do it. Like right. well, 
okay, but why is, yeah. is it any no, different? I mean, those are the than, kind of conversations I loved having, like, sure. You know, and that's what we often kind of drift to in the show is, but you know, why and how, and, and what would this mean? I don't even mm-hmm. know though. Yeah, no, but the yeah. quotes are good. They basically just reaction say, is yeah, the, the, <laughs> whatever. The law is not adequate, which I, I think that's pretty pretty clear. I, I completely yeah. agree. Um, and then there, there's a quote here that just says, "Technology which is designed to objectify and humiliate women should be shut down, and porn sites which profit from mass distribution of these images should be forced to proactively block their upload." That I think you'll find people that disagree with those. How do they do that I, though? That that's the well, kind of, then, that's the part then of the conversation the that I was getting to. Is yep. how yeah the burden, right? And it's what we talked about with GDPR when we talk about like if or or no, it was uh, not GDPR. It was uh, what is that article? What's the what's the one that protects um, the like social media sites from from third party from like users? Yeah. They don't hold Twitter responsible for what people on Twitter post, right? Right, Whatever. right, right. Section two thirty stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 230. Thank you. Section 230. Because the burden there would be that if I uploaded, you know, Jurassic Park to Facebook, Facebook has to, or just like some section of it, whatever, that Mm -hmm. that would be illegal because that's copyrighted content. And Facebook has to scan every frame of every video or whatever that gets uploaded and compare it against the digital library of everything that's ever been uploaded <laughs> and check whether or not it's been copyrighted or not. Right? Great for so Dell EMC. The bird. Yeah. But the, the burden <laughs> here is, is unbelievable. Right. This is, yeah. I mean, and again, yeah, well, and, and, and I would argue, and, and I don't want to linger on this too long. I think it's just a curious sure. topic and it's an interesting one to talk about because it covers a lot of sort of ethical, technical boundaries that, that are yeah. genuinely interesting to talk about. But I think intent in cases like this is going to be extremely important. And, you know, they, they bring up another quote is that sure. one of these applications that's basically, you know, under fire and creating this conversation in the first place literally advertises it as an app to, quote, nude your friends. And, right. and I think Which things like that cross a line in a way it is that crossing the line. Yes. It, it is whether, whether you are explicitly intending it to or not, which I think I'm not even sure it's debatable in this case, but it will result in individuals being hurt by it in one Correct. way or another. And that, that means that your intent was very much aligned to hurting individuals and it should be pretty easy to shut that stuff down. But yeah. when you get to less human, less, uh, I guess, particular sort of use cases. And, and if it's just random AI gen- generated nudity, even if it's from stock photos or something like that, it gets fuzzier and fuzzier the further you get away from the individual, in my opinion. So sure. it'll be interesting to see where that stuff goes. But it's, it's also somewhat fascinating that the technology is already there and already forcing these conversations. Yeah. It's weird, man. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. What else we got here? What else we got here? There's another one I saw. There's a new email service being launched called Superhuman. What? what like on. who's who's launching new email services, by the way? But no, it's time char- to go get your name. Also, it's charging $30 a month. Not gonna get it. <laughs> and it has already achieved an $825 million valuation. It's probably so people can have their name again. It literally like generations of people can't get simple named versions of an email address. And and I, I bet a lot of them are in the workforce now and would gladly pay for it. So one of my favorites, uh, I don't know if y'all follow Casey Newton on Twitter at Casey Newton. One of my favorite tweets 
that uh, he's not one of my favorite follows. That's not what I mean, meant to say. Not that he's not great, but I meant to say one of my favorite tweet responses to this bit of news is, ah, the founder of a seven-year-old Gmail skin who took a year off of product development to start a venture fund has raised $75 million from the Chainsmokers, the band, to build an early version of an Outlook com- uh, compatible service that will be available, quote, next year. $825 million valuation, 30 bucks a month. That's amazing. That's crazy. Uh, let's see. Some quick facts on Superhuman, now valued at 825 uh, per source. Waitlist, waitlist of 450,000, more than 450,000 people. 100 million messages already sent. Wow. Fi- uh, more than 50% of them are monthly active users. Users spend three plus hours emailing in the app. Outlook Android support coming by next year. I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand. Yeah, no, I, I, that's my only guess. That's all I got. Either that or people that are done with Microsoft and Google, and that's enough. But that seems like a huge number of people in that case. So I'm, I'm a bit at a loss as well. And then, but it goes on, like there's all these other tweets that are like, I, maybe I'm just ignorant, but there's all these other people that are attacking Casey Newton's take on superhuman. <laughs> um, there's at P-I-T-D-E-S-I. This grinds my gears because Casey knows it's, well, I'm going to redact that. Um, <laughs> didn't take a year off product development and blah, 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 blah. And then somebody else came out and said, oh, this is at Neil Devonai. I generally like Casey's point of view, but hard disagree on this. Superhuman saves me 30 plus minutes a day versus Gmail. That's 15 hours a month. Whoa. Is my time worth more than $2 an hour? Easy answer. It's like, what? Are these, I, like, I want to know a lot out more about how this Superhuman? is happening. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. really interesting. Anyway, it's that's, called Superhuman. It's like all of the... <laughs> it's got all the right check boxes for yeah. yeah a bot response. But bro, it looks marketing just like, words dollars looks, per minute. <laughs> yeah, it looks just <laughs> like Gmail though. Crazy. Like, how's this? And it's thirty bucks a month. How's this saving anybody anything? Whatever. Wow. Yeah, I I guess I don't. Hmm, interesting. Okay, sure. I don't. I guess I just don't use email that way. It's. I'm not sure what I could do with my email platform that would save me time. I mean, look, I'm open to it if I could find ways to save time on emails I'm in, but I feel like actually typing is most of my email time or yeah. reading, right? Like I, I won't put it all on sending messages, but sure. reading them. It's not interacting with my email platform. It's yeah. sending and receiving emails. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh, not man. for me, maybe. I don't know. What I kind of want to try it out now and see what I'm missing. Ah, dude, don't get involved in another... It's, just, it's a joke, man. <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, what else did you read? Uh, what else did I read? Oh, uh, man. I got one about uh, Amazon just off the top of my head. but I, I saw that the trusted platform module security was defeated in 30 minutes without soldering being required. So that's horrifying what? and sucks. TPM Apparently, 2? I don't know if it was 2. That's a good question. I didn't okay. n- notice that. I skimmed the article it gets into a lot more detail than I wanted to know about personally because it wasn't yeah. as exciting. But they, they basically said other chips share, if I if I read this right and gleaned the important bits, other other chips on the motherboard actually share the, um, call it the bus that uh, the, the TPM uses, uh-huh. the SBI bus, I guess. And if, if you're right on the TPM itself, it would be, nearly physically impossible to like even try to solder something in or, or read directly to it, write to it, right? So connect into it. But apparently other chips on that bus uh, can be sort of, it was was kind of the way that it looked. I think I lost and, you um, there for a second. It can be what? 
you you can sort of get into TPM and you can take advantage of it. The, the way that they described it was you don't you don't have to rob Fort Knox. You can rob the not so armored vehicle that just left Fort Knox, right? Huh. And so it's it's basically an in the middle attack that doesn't even require soldering. They can literally clip into chips that are in the path and uh, inject code accordingly, which is ugly. Interesting. Yeah. Why? Why is it? Why all this like nefarious stuff going on, man? I, I mean, it, I guess it's good with the researchers that are doing this stuff and immediately yeah, figuring sort of, it out, like getting it out because somebody else figures it out and then does it for years until it takes researchers until they figure it out, right? Uh, better, better to have a research organization figure this stuff out and oh, is that what it was? Release okay. it to the world. This, I don't think this was a. Uh, we've been we we found an organization doing this for years. It was very much a research yeah. organization. Okay. But, who knows how long it's been um, uh, a known vulnerability, right? Yeah. Well, and for those of y'all that may not know what a TPM is, if you haven't been in the compute industry, uh, trust, trust, excuse me, trusted platform module is what TPM stands for. There's a 1.0 version. There's a, I think there's a 1.2, maybe if I remember correctly, and there's a 2.0. Maybe the 1.0 doesn't exist anymore. Maybe it's just 1.2 and, and 2.0. But anyway, it's an international standard for uh, a secure crypto processor, as they call it. So um, it's defined as a dedicated microcontroller designed to secure hardware through integrated cryptographic keys, right? So inside of it, you're going to have things like a hardware random number generator. Um, you'll have facilities for the secure generation of cryptographic keys uh, for, the, for limited uses within the, the, the hardware components of the system, um, all kinds of stuff, right? So designed for- And, and they're, they're designed to be extremely function. secure, right? So yeah. they're doing all of those functions. They're this is super into the board, but, but they're, they're literally like, they have, they have physical tampering protection you know, mechanisms as well. They have, they're designed with internal optical sensor sensors that detect ambient light. If somebody tries to crack them open and get into the circuitries and, and it will destroy itself, right? Like they are meant to be extremely secure. And so, uh, I don't know this, this reads almost like a, a supply chain attack of a, of a hardware yeah. chip because they are, they're just sort of tapping into the, the system through the communication pathways and, whether that's oversight or you know a mistake, unfortunately, it's a hardware solution to a security problem, and it's going to take an iteration to fix it. Yeah. Did you hear um, Google is now going to allow cryptocurrency ads? It's been I did I saw this allowed for the past I think three to four years. I can't remember. Yeah, what it was twenty nineteen. I thought. Oh, 2019? Okay, was so that maybe, right? Maybe it was like the beginning of twenty nineteen. So all of nineteen, twenty, and some of twenty one or whatever. Could be. But yeah, Google is now going to allow it. Um, so, and this is not, I mean, if you, if you've watched YouTube, you're going to get like cryptocurrency right. ads and stuff there. This is, these are ads on, uh, like your searches and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yep. What, uh, what Google chooses to present to you. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if the last run up in uh, crypto was actually knowledge of that change before it happened. Mm, what do you mean? Oh, uh -huh. you're saying like some of this information that yeah, some of the basically insider trading on knowledge that google as a platform yeah. is going to start advertising coins i wonder how much of that really i still can't put my finger on the pulse of exactly the impact i don't think anybody can yeah and that's what i'm saying if you could I think you that's could make money argument. on it <laughs> yeah i don't think anybody really can right and you and there's no there's no way to really tell like what's been priced but if you knew google was going to announce that 
six yeah. weeks ago, yeah. it would have been foolish not to invest sure. in practically anything. I see what you're saying. But yeah, the, the prices are point. so, I'm not even going to say, you know, volatile. I'll just kind of say like the news on both sides is so violent, I guess. And just like, you know, <laughs> this is now allowed and wide open and this is completely banned and this, we're going to do this. And now we're going to pass this bill that sure. kills cryptocurrency. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, that it is. Yeah. Anyway, I, um, always more to come. Pretty interesting so, topic. And I was, I was posting about some of this stuff um, on Twitter earlier this week and a little bit on Facebook, which I now regret. Um, <laughs> but basically <laughs> you had all these people that were uh, forcing um, or not. Yeah. Forcing, requiring vaccinations for their employees. You have uh, Microsoft, Facebook, Google, Tyson foods, um, Delta said they're about to, and mm. you have the city of New York saying, you know, if you want to eat at restaurants or yep. go work out, uh, you have a vaccine yeah. passport, right? Yeah, exactly. You have to have a, have, have to have a, have to have a vaccine. And then, um, oh, I think I just totally forgot where I was going to go with that. Oh yes. And then, so Amazon was reading an article about them. They're, they're deliberating over the fact that we have this weird worker shortage, not weird, but we have a worker shortage in the U S and it's, it's a very complex concept. And then especially with Amazon warehouse workers that have, you know, like 150% turnover rate, like some people they hire never even come to the first day on their job. And no doubt in that mix, you've got people that are anti-vaxxers or just don't, you know, whatever, maybe they wouldn't identify themselves as anti-vaxxers, but they're not even sure yet that they want to. Distrustful, sure. You know, or maybe just distrustful. Yeah. Cause anti-vax may seem like really harsh way to say that. But Amazon has a worker supply issue from the fact that either they don't force it or they don't push it to the point of where it almost being a forcible thing. And if they have too many people get sick, now they have a supply issue, they, like they a worker supply problem, issue. Yeah. But if they force it, now they've got a worker supply issue because they got people that don't want to get it. It's this weird catch 22 that they're in right now. It was, it was a fascinating read. So yeah, I guess I was cool. curious if you had any thoughts on, on, uh, on I, I didn't see the article. I missed that. Um, but it sounds interesting. I, that's, that's a topic that's, uh, I think, heavily it's a tough one to touch. among other things. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there, uh, especially when you look at, you know, Amazon's behavior with unionization and things like that and how, they, how they're meddling with some of those things. I mean, I, I saw a headline that just said that they were, you know, literally doing some of like the like corporate espionage level stuff with organizations that were, you know, even just talking about unionization internally, of course, unionization, talking about, um, you know, collective bargaining and basically giving workers uh, more bargaining power against Amazon in general generally results in better working conditions because they have the the latitude to force certain changes. It's not all good, by the way. I think we've talked about some of this in my experience with union um, unionized labor forces too, but it, it sounds like Amazon and their workforce are quite at odds right now. And then the U.S. in general, of course, is going through a lot with uh, just wages uh, in, in general as well. I think exacerbated by the pandemic and the impact or influence of uh, you know, a rapidly spreading uh, virus, as well as some of the um, government funding that goes into programs to try to make sure that we don't have excessive amounts of foreclosures yeah. or evictions or uh, you know, sudden homeless, whether it's from that or just not not being able to afford food, as an example, the, these things are all interconnected, and and it's so they're 
there appears to be a labor shortage, but there also appears to be an unwillingness to change wages. And so a lot of people, at least vocally, and I don't pretend to be too close to this because I'm not, but a lot of people are saying, well, the labor shortage is related to how much you're paying. Interesting to hear the one of the other sides of that, which is it's easy to say we're not paying enough so you won't take the job while the government is paying you know, enhanced unemployment benefits, as an example, with no mm-hmm. end date in sight. Because it is a curious situation, right? Yeah. Um, it's a it, it. Those arguments sound very disingenuous to me. Um, I, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. Honestly, I haven't put enough thought into it. But it is interesting to hear a corporate entity say, "I can't hire people, but I am not willing to raise wages beyond a certain amount to right. draw in more people." Yeah. When a they're making a lot of money, that's one thing. But the right. cost of people is huge, especially for an organization launching their big former as CEO Amazon. to space. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. then him sitting on his stage. This saying, is a bad look. Thank you for paying for this. Like I've never right. seen something that was so Yikes. disconnected, cringe. out of touch, cringe. Yes, yes, oh yes. My it was bad. It was bad. It was really so bad. bad. So, so you couple that with with this argument, and then part of the argument is the only reason you're not crawling back to us for lower wages is that you have basically unemployment insurance that's propping you up. Like, okay, I financially can't argue with that. You know, dollars in here, not dollars in there. You do the math. I can still eat, go F yourself, whatever. But like, what a weird argument to make, right? Like just a little bit in unemployment insurance is enough to maybe keep you fed and keep a roof over your head and you to say no to the wages, it, it is a very interesting time. Yeah. But I don't that's, think that's what we're I see the end it. of it until we're out yeah. of the out of the pandemic either. Right. Which could be another 18 months, I'm reading uh, as well. Right. I mean, yeah, that's, saying, that's yeah. ugly. Yeah, which you know, you tie that back to I mentioned one of the uh, companies that was mandating vaccines, Tyson Foods. Right. They're based in Arkansas. Uh, which is where I went when I managed to catch COVID. Uh, yeah, Delta right. Variant. So they've got and all then kinds I looked of up. I was like, "What's the percentage of uh, you know vaccination rates here?" And it's uh, like barely achieved thirty percent um, that are double vaccinated. So like effectively uh, vaccinated. Uh, so fully, only one third of uh, of uh, of the adults available, not adults available, adults um, allowed or whatever adults, whatever. I'll just say it that sure. way. Sure, employable um, people. Yeah, employable people, sure. So then you translate that to Tyson in Arkansas that's now mandating this. What happens to their workforce? Because they're giving them until, let's say, I think they're saying they're, they're giving their executive staff until September 1st and then everyone else until November 1st because there's oh, wow. significantly more non-executives. Yeah, there's just a lot more of them. Yeah, they're just giving them a little bit more time. But you have three months to figure out if you're going to do it. Or if you're not going to have a job there anymore, you're leave. Yeah. yeah, can you leave? Like, how many other people can employ and, like Tyson and, does? Yeah, and and is Tyson prepared to lose? Let's let's just say seventy percent. Like the ones that aren't already vaccinated that haven't already made the decision to go and do this, say no, I'm not going to do it because my employer is forcing me to do it. Are they prepared to lose seventy percent of their workforce? It's just such an interesting concept, and that's what I was trying to get into when I was posting that stuff. I got a lot of interesting like direct messages like, wow, you really care about this suddenly or whatever. And I was like, well, no, it's just, yeah, there was a whole bunch of topic. There's a lot of very curious topic. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's oftentimes why I'm posting stuff anyway, but it was interesting to see all that stuff roll out all in the same day. Yeah. Right. Cause it was Tyson foods and then Delta was on squawk box that morning and they were talking about 
the news that just came out about Tyson Foods and Delta was like, well, we can't mandate it yet because it's not FDA approved, but you know, pay attention because as soon as it is, then we will yeah. mandate it. And then which which that's the other projected ones came to out. happen in the next couple of months, right? Yeah. I think they they had a projection there. But yeah, no, I, I think these topics are really interesting too. And I of course love to talk about stuff like that, which is why I'm not afraid to, you know, get into it here a little bit. But but I know they're touchy subjects. Like yeah, I, I don't have sure. a strong opinion. I want to know more about it, but I I don't I would like to get a distributed opinion about what these things mean, but 90% of what I'm running into that stuff is heavily biased, right? On both sides. Sure. And it just seems to be like, this is, you know, straight neo-corporate, neo-corporate craziness, right? Capitalism gone crazy. Or, well, that's where I... you know, pure socialism destroying capital markets. Like, okay, it, I sincerely doubt that it's either of those things. There is <laughs> right. definitely a middle ground here. Can we talk about that? <laughs> well, and that's where I regret taking it to social media yeah, and, right. and trying to have a conversation with it there because I knew it was not going to happen the way you and I are talking about it right now. It, it was it was very polarizing and very like, okay. And I just didn't comment or respond to any of it because that's not the conversation I wanted to have. But yeah, right. I'm sure it devolved a little faster than you were interested anyway, in. Yeah. Um, well, dude, it is uh, late and I... No, it's super early in the morning, right, Tyler? Super uh, early. No, I have to, oh, third I have to drive coffee. my daughter to a dodgeball competition, if you can believe it. Cool. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. So we were practicing dodging wrenches last night <laughs> to get her ready. Yeah, and, and in, so, in the zone. Yeah. You don't, well, yeah. No shut it down, man. There. I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> in the car get her over there. All right. That brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We still miss you, Russ. We want you back, but we haven't forgotten you. And uh, love you, Russ. yeah, thanks for subscribing. Thanks for telling your friends. Tell us if you're enjoying the conversation. Let us know what you'd rather hear us talk about. If you're not, or if you are, and you just want to hear some other stuff, please give us your feedback. And we'll yeah, there's talk hundreds to you. of y'all that listen on every episode, and I hear very little from any of you. <laughs> there's a few people that tell us we'd love to hear from y'all. Well, you know, maybe it's because we asked for feedback at the end. And yes, they don't we need to do it to the, the beginning. They're yeah, like, they hear Thanks Tyler for shut it down and deleted. They, they, they just end this show. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, peace. Bye. We'll talk to you Friday. Later.